Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you're getting ready for a great Thanksgiving celebration. And may I begin by telling you how thankful I am for every one of you that listen to this show faithfully. I mean it. I am. I am so thankful. Uh, You're great listeners, and you're helping me change lives of people living with disabilities. And I am so thankful to all the countries. Ireland, you're back in first place, but I'm thankful to all of you. I don't care if you're a country with, like Kenya, that had one person. I don't care. One person can make a difference. It means so much to me to have all of you listeners. And I have to skin my shout out to Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, you are a blessing to me. And I am very thankful to be your friend. And I am very thankful for Justin, your late husband, who did so much to help Americans with disabilities gain freedom. And certainly, last but not least, our sponsor for the past three years is and has been Highmark. Highmark is a great company. I'm so proud to be affiliated with them and David Holmberg and Cindy Hunderfeen and Deb Rice Johnson and Kane Hayes and Karen Hanlon and all of the leaders in the organization. You are just awesome people for believing in the employment of people with disabilities. And I have to tell you that today, um, This show is really important to me, and I am going to be telling you about something else I'm very thankful for in a moment, but I just wanted to urge all of you, over this holiday season, be kind. Be kind. Make it a point to be kind to someone. You know, we don't have enough kindness right now, at least in this country, so, you know, work on kindness, and, of course, gratitude. So I said there's something else I'm thankful for, and that is the Bender Leadership Academy. As most of you know, this past year we launched the Bender Leadership Academy, benderleadershipacademy.org, as a not-for-profit that will be committed to helping high school students with disabilities gain self-confidence, gain leadership skills, know how to deal with bullying, and be prepared for the world of work. And you know what? I love these students. Love them. And that is how I first met our guest today, Deanna Harris, who is an employment counselor at Networks in Delaware, and by the way, is also a gold medal Olympian. <laughs> you know I had to tell you that, Deanna. A gold medal <laughs> Olympian in softball. She knows because I tell this everywhere I go. But you know what? She is absolutely the most wonderful person. She is 
just a blessing to me. So, Diana, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. And I thought we could start by you sharing with our listeners how you first became involved in working with students with disabilities. Well, i first like to say thank you, Mrs. Bender, for all you do. And the fact that some of the young folks have the opportunity to even meet with a CEO and learn from a CEO is huge and uh, definitely makes a, a big impact on the, our students here at Networks. Um, and something I'm always thankful for is having the opportunity to spend time with you. Um, when I first came home from the Olympic Games, and thank you so much for those kind words, um, a lot of my life had been consumed from training and traveling and really learning a lot of different types of uh, life skills and life experiences and life lessons, to be quite honest, because a lot of times when, when you're training to become a, an Olympic athlete, um, the hardest part is just getting there. And I always felt that I identified a lot with uh, an underdog and... Um, when I returned home to Delaware after being on the road for 10 years, um, I had an opportunity presented to myself from the junior college I had attended. And as I like to share with a lot of our students, is uh, opportunities come in lots of different types of disguises. So it's really important to take them. Um, so my opportunity was to work at the junior college running camps through the summer, but during the school years to write grants and to, to students on career awareness. And one of the big grants that I wrote my first year in was a, was a program that I called Reach for the Stars. And it was where myself and another colleague from the college would go into the classrooms of students. And at that time, we called them LRE classrooms, which were students, all students with disabilities. And we would go in and talk about different types of careers. Uh, for instance, uh, culinary arts. We would talk about what culinary arts was, and then the following week we would bring them to the, the college campus and give them a culinary arts experience. And I found by doing that, I was at five or it turned into six of the different middle schools, all seventh and eighth grade students with disabilities in the Christina School District. And that program was so successful that it ran for five years. And at, at some point towards the end of that fifth year, um, some s staff from the district came to me and said, why don't you just come work for us? And uh, I took the opportunity. And for s the last 17 years, I've been working with this program, Networks, and, uh, which is a specialized program that we'll talk about in a little bit. So that's kind of how I came to working with students with disabilities. Wow, just as you said, it's amazing how you'll start on one dot and not know where that path is going to go from there. Well, lucky for us that you took that job, Deanna. Lucky for us. So, Deanna, yeah. uh, for our listeners, could you explain what your role is as an employment counselor and networks, and also just so people understand how networks is different than a public high school? Absolutely. Um, the name of our program is called Network School for em Employability Skills. Um, we're a specialized vocational program within our school district, which is Christina School District. Uh, all of the students uh, that attend our program 
or ninth grade through twenty through twenty one years of age. So about fourteen to twenty one years in age. Uh, we're a specialized program. We do not have the academics. Um, our main focus, our full timers, are in our eighteen to twenty one program. So we have six different high schools that send kids to our vocational program. All of our students have IEPs, and all of our students um, have different types of disabilities. Uh, so uh, from, we have students with autism spectrum disorder. We have students with intellectual disorders. We have students LD learning di- with a learning disability. We have some students with uh, an emotional types of disability. Uh, all of our students in our program attend an enterprise area, um, and they are all hands-on learning. It's a whole uh, hands-on learning environment, and it's in the community. So they're kind of, they get taken out of their high schools. Our part-time students come half the time, so they might be with us from 7.30 to 10.30, and then they go back to their high schools for their academics. And then around 11 o'clock, we get a whole other shift of students from all six high schools that have taken their academics and then come to us for their vocational skills. So some students are on a diploma track, and when they're with us, they earn their three career pathway credits. They earn their um, 5.5 elective credits. Uh, Once they do finish their requirements for a diploma or if they're on an alternative, um, they have an alternative program, or if they're on a certificate type of program, they still can attend our 18 to 21 program full time. Now, with the 18 to 21 program, a lot of those students then get what we call a cooperative education experience. All of our areas are kind of like real businesses that the students are running. All of our classrooms are just like a real business. So we have a Munchworks uh, area, which is culinary arts, and they're trained in actual culinary arts, life skills, um, those students go out to a community uh, workplace at least once or twice a week. So they go out to a crossroads restaurant. That becomes their, their classroom for that day. So a lot of what we do is we, we teach the vocational skills. And the one area that we teach across every single area, and we have 11 different areas right now, are those soft employability skills that are transferable into the workplace. So all of our areas, our enterprise areas in our program are set up just like a work environment. And they're taught just like a work environment. Their students come in, they have to sign in in their book, and then before they leave the area, they have to sign out and journal what they did. If they're going to be out sick, our students have to call their teacher by between 7 and 7.30 a.m. in the morning. And if they do, they can earn 50 out of the 100 points for the day. If they don't, they get a zero for the day. So we're really trying to teach across all the areas all those soft employability skills. Uh, And then we really kind of hone in on the independent skills, um, the self-determination skills. And that's kind of like where I come in. As As a school counselor, I try to tie in a lot of programs that one... Myself and our school psychologist, we do a lot of disability awareness groups, and a lot is to help students understand, one, um, their own disability and awareness about their disability. Because a lot of times our students aren't even sure 
what their IEP meetings are or what their disability is. So we do, a, we do disability awareness groups, and we start our group by telling the students, uh, you know, every student at Networks has an IEP meeting. And in our areas, every teacher teaches their classroom about an IEP meeting and how students can advocate for themselves in the meeting, how they, can be a, they should be a part of their meeting. They talk about how to set goals. Where we come in is we kind of piggyback off of that and talk about, you know, how we're talking about IEP meetings in your classroom. Well, every student at Networks has an IEP. Every student that has an IEP has some type of disability. And a lot of times we get crickets, silence. And we wait, and would you want us to say that again? And then a lot of times then we talk about, we break each week down into talking about a different type of disability. And we, we talk a lot with our, our students that the reason we do these types of groups is so, one, you become aware of yourself, and you're able to identify what your strengths are, the things that you do really, really good. And we want you to focus on the ability part of that and drop the diss off. Focus on your strengths. But we also need for you to understand your challenges so that you understand how to advocate for yourself. You understand how to say... These are some things I'm going to need help with when I get a job or so that I can get a job. And some of those things have been tremendous that we're getting from our students. For example, Misty, I need help getting a state ID. Misty, uh, I have a a job uh, interview, but I need a birth certificate and I I, I need a new copy of my Social Security card. So a lot of where my type of as a school counselor in this specialized vocational program is, we help get that that done for them. We help get them their state IDs or their birth certificates, social social security cards, so that they can keep moving forward. Um, And they start building those independent skills. We show them how to go about getting those types of things. Uh, We have a fantastic nurse. Even our nurse ties into our whole employability skills curriculum. We have vision to learn that comes to our program. They bring a a doctor and someone, they check their eyes. All of our students go through this, and we were shocked at how many of our students were just struggling or having difficulty because they needed glasses. And part that program that we bring to to our school, we we found out that Almost 90% of the students in our program, and we have about 120 students right now in our program, needed glasses. And we're struggling with some things just because they didn't have glasses. And so the one one thing I can honestly say about our program is it is a very dedicated staff, and it's a very um, loyal staff. Um, They're very kind. We teach a lot when we do in all of our areas, um, going back to our, our disability awareness, we tell them we want you to learn not just about yourself and your strengths and your challenges, but we want you to become more aware and understanding of other students in our program and what their strengths and challenges might be so that we can be a little more kind towards each other, a little more tolerant towards each other. And when you get in the workplace, you'll understand and have some more skills to deal with some customers that might come in that maybe you don't get along that great with or a coworker you may not get along that great with, but how you balance that and how you become, you know, some skills that you, be, you become a little more aware of 
so that you are successful once you transition from our program into the work world. And, you know, that is all fantastic. Everything you talked about, I so believe in because this is how young people learn how to get into the world of work. Having these apprentices, having these part-time jobs, and all the things you're talking about that are the essential skills you need to have to be successful, like, like being independent, like, as you said, responsibility if you're late, you know, call the teacher, everything. I, I think I am so on board with that, and I am so impressed in Delaware that, you know, they put this whole thing together, and of course... Having you is what makes it all, you know, all work. I will say this. I have met many teachers, but I've just got to tell you, Deanna Harris is superb. I mean it. I mean, she comes to that class. Everything's organized. Everyone knows what they have to do. It's phenomenal. But before I ask my next question, how is it that they wouldn't know they needed glasses? How, how would that be? You know when you're we, talking about we were, we were shocked when when we our nurse set up to have uh, a van come to the school and and ha- and sets up every year now for all of our students to go through and they they test their eyes right there on the spot and we were really surprised at how many of our students needed glasses but never knew that or maybe didn't have the means to get the glasses or go. To, to, to an eye doctor. Uh, and so they were the ones that needed the glasses. They were given a free prescription pair of glasses. And each year, then we can kind of, we can get them a new pair if they get broken or lost. Um, so the beauty with the program is that everyone kind of is connected. We're, and I, I have to, thank you so much for the kind words about me, but I have to give a lot of props to our, our principal, Norma Brister, who is just fantastic to work for because a lot with, with successful programs, it comes from the top, the leadership. And um, as being a, an athlete, a, a lot I relate a lot to athletics. And I know being part of a successful team to me always meant that when our teams were successful, it meant that all the players on the team understood their role on the team and played that role to the best of their ability. And when we all did that and we worked together for a common goal or outcome, and in this particular program, it's our students. This program is very student-friendly. Um, we, we look at their strengths. We... Our whole co-op department takes them out into volunteer positions to, to learn on where their strengths are and what challenges they might have in certain types of jobs. So they're always doing different assessments with, uh, with the students. Some students that, uh, for example, we had one student that just recently, uh, one of our areas uh, takes students out to the Newark Bike Project. A lot of our students have an interest in bikes and skateboards, and that's what students are interested in right now. So we decided to develop a partnership with the Newark Bike Project. With some students, we took in; they would go. That was their classroom for the day, and we found this one particular student really loved working on bikes. 
And he knew how to get the chain on. He knew how to build. He could take the bike apart and put it back together. It was definitely a strength of his and definitely um, an interest of his. And by going out to the Newark Bike Project, we found out through that assessment that he was really good at putting things together. And that student is now employed at um, one of the retail businesses. It's um, Marshall's. And all he does is when the lamps come in, he puts the lamps together and then puts them out on the shelf. Furniture he helps put together. And so we were able to transfer a skill that was a strength for this particular student. And then our co-op department was able to put together and work with one of our community partners, Marshalls, to find a job for him. And it has changed his self-esteem. It has changed his attendance at work. And we have our... Our co-op staff then goes in and checks in, and we start with them. The staff start with them when they're on the job site and then start to fade back so that they're working independently. And then if they change their job, then we have staff that go back in again and help train them for the new part of the job and then fade out again. And this student is beaming. He's excited. He doesn't work on Fridays, but he still comes to networks on Friday his schedule now is since he's working and employed, he we trained him. We have we train them once they get the jobs on transportation to the job, um, and we can't always rely on a parent or a guardian or a friend making sure that they get to their job on time. So, as part of our program, the co-op department also does DART training, which is fixed route bus, and they also do paratransit training, which is part of DART, which but is more. Um, door-to-door transportation. And they're trained in both because not every student qualifies for paratransit. Uh, But they do that during their school day so that we'll know exactly what bus to catch, how to catch the bus if they have to transfer, and how to get to their job on time so that when they do start their job, they're independent. This particular student knows how to catch the bus. He now goes to work, and then he catches the bus home from work Back to, back to his house on the days that he has off on Fridays, he still comes in to us, and he beams. He has a paycheck coming in. He has met new friends now that are in the working world, um, and he feels proud. He, he, he's starting to get that, that independence, which I know you and I, we say this a lot, your independence is your freedom. And yep. uh, when he can have money to, to meet his friends at the mall for a movie now, he's pretty excited. When he has his own money that he can save, and now he, his new goals are, Ms. D, I'm saving for the new PS2. That, that's I mean, that, that, that is awesome. Oh, yeah, that, that dignity from having a job makes such a difference. And bef- one other thing. Uh, you know, the 18 to 21 program, how do those students get referred to you? I mean, does well, that include all, families, or how are these people referred, the students referred to uh, you? All, all of our students do go through a referral. They have to fill out a referral packet. Their educational diagnostician at their, their high school uh, and their parents can, can ask to have them fill out the, the packet, the referral packet to networks. Once we receive the referral packet, then every student in our program starts on a 30-day trial. 
our, our program is based in the community. So every area goes out to a community site. Um, our building is outside of their regular high school buildings. So there have to be, they have to have a certain level of independent skills in reference to being able to transition from one bus to another bus to get to us. Um, and basically that means a lot of our students go to their, their main high schools and then they have to catch a shuttle, which is a bus, over to our program, and then they'll take that, that shuttle back to their high school. And then they would take their regular buses home. So once we receive this referral packet from the high school, then the students start a 30-day trial. And during that trial, we look at attendance, which, as you are well aware, attendance is key, especially in employment. We look at attendance, um, and we'll look at behaviors to make sure that they are ready, because we are in the community quite a bit. And if we feel that they still have some independent skill they need to work on, then we, we notify the high school and we give them the reasons and that we give them ways that they can work on the skills that we feel they still need to build. Most of our students do go through the 30-day trial period successfully, and then they start with us. Um, our 18 to 21 students are with us all day. So... Our typical day starts about 7.30, and then our students leave at 1.30 because they have to go back to their high schools to catch their buses to go home. So that, that's pretty much our whole referral process. Oh, that, well, I mean, you know how you always know someone is a great teacher is when you see how much the students love that teacher. And I hear about Miss D in that class all the time. They love you. But you know why they love you? Because they know you care. I know you care. I mean, I I think you were just phenomenal. And right now, though, we have to go to our On the Half Hour news break, Advocacy Matters, with Perry Jude Radisic. Perry, how are you? Hey, Joyce, uh, I'm doing well and getting ready for the holidays as everyone else is. So, uh, looking well, forward Perry, to Perry it. before you give us the news break, I just want to tell you, in behalf of all people with disabilities, how thankful we are and I am to have your incredible dedication to providing such excellent news every week because, in my opinion, this is the way. People with disabilities learn what's really going on. You know, it's too bad there isn't some other nonstop system, but we are all very thankful for you. Well, Joyce, thank you, and we uh, certainly appreciate your listeners and um, all of uh, all of the good news and information you bring them every week with the leaders that you have on your show. So we're we're happy to support your program. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so, so today we want to talk about uh, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and, and it's an employment issue. The, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights held a public briefing on subminimum wages last Friday, uh, November 15th. Maybe it was two Fridays ago. Uh, in any case, uh, the commission, alongside of that hearing, is also seeking public comment on the impact of subminimum wages on people with disabilities. 
Now, the deadline for public comment is December 15th. So the community has plenty of time to submit public comment to the United States Civil Rights Commission. And again, like we always do, if you go to our website at disabilityrightspa.org and look for the links on Advocacy Matters, you'll find today's show and the links to the Civil Rights Commission, uh, the hearing on the sub-minimum wage, and a link to how to submit your public comment by mail or email. So this briefing was a day-long event in Washington, D.C., and the Commission received lots of information about a number of things related to the sub-minimum wage. They received information about the state of sub-minimum wages across the country, how competitive integrated employment is going across the country. They learned about the existing law regarding sub-minimum wages and how they came to be all the way back in the 1930s. And they learned about programs that are transforming from sub-minimum wage work to competitive integrated employment. And they looked at recommendations for reform. And again, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, we have a link to the YouTube video from the U.S. Civil Rights Commission that recorded the day-long event. And there's also ASL interpreting, but there's not a transcript, but there is ASL interpreting of the event. There were also remarks by Pennsylvania's former Governor Tom Ridge, who is currently the chair of the National Organization on Disability. And Governor Ridge does support phasing out the sub-minimum wage. Again, all of this is on our website. So at Advocacy Matters, we know that the commission is looking for the submission of public comment. The deadline is the 15th. We have a link to the public notice on our website. You can comment by mail or email, and we encourage you to do so. And we have all of that information at www.disabilityrightspa.org. Thank you so much. And Perry, I want to say something about this. I talk to so many people that, like me, you know, have very adamant desire to see some pay gone. And great, but you've got to make that comments. Because people that are for this, they will make a lot of comments. So I am telling you, make sure... You take time, go to that website, disabilityrightspa.org, go to that website to Advocacy Matters, uh, and get all that information that Perry told you about, and make a comment. That's Perry, right, thank you That's so it. much. Yes, absolutely, yeah. and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for calling. Hey, Deanna, before we um, run out of time today, <laughs> I want to, because this conversation is so great, I love it. I love having you on, too. Um, the Bender Leadership Academy, which, as I mentioned, profit nationally last year, but I still, on a volunteer basis, hold this class and always will. 
in Newark, Delaware, because that's where it started. It started, you know, with four teachers asking what DXC technology, then known as CSC, to work on a school-to-work program, and they were my customer, and they called me, and here we go, the rest is history, Um, and I know you came along 15 years ago, um, and we're so lucky that you did, but I wanted to ask you, your students, how does this help them? How does that academy help them? The the Bender Leadership Academy, the students that I identify for the Bender Leadership Academy, we usually have between 10 to 15 students. Uh, The students that are identified uh, to participate in, in your academy are the ones that we are hoping to transfer the leadership skills back into our program. Those students, by having the opportunity to, to work with yourself, a CEO of a company, and to learn from you, and to also have the opportunity to learn from vice presidents from companies, uh, human resource vice presidents from companies, is absolutely incredible because they're hearing information from the real source. And what that does for our students is, one, it helps build their own self-esteem. The fact that our students, um, one, have to dress professionally. They're they're building their own uh, closet, so to speak, to get ready for competitive employment. They're practicing wearing professional clothing and getting comfortable in it. Two, they're going to an outside community uh, source like CSC, which is a huge company, and able to have that type of experience and exposure to those types of company and to learn about those employability skills and to learn about interviewing skills, uh, bullying. We do, talk, we do some, some uh, work on bullying in your program. The fact that they have to learn how to speak in front of folks that they don't know, the speeches that they have to prepare and work with, they work with me on the speeches, they practice in front of their classes here before they give the speech in front of you. Um, it's just incredible to help build their own self-esteem, their own self-confidence, their self, it builds on their self-determination skills, and ultimately it really builds on their independence skills, which I think from the last 15 years, when we start to prep students for the Bender Leadership Academy, uh, we pull you up online and we talk about you and your and, and your company, um, and the reasons that you run Bender Leadership Academy, and the reasons that it's really important that they learn from you is because this opportunity doesn't come very often. And they have a chance that a lot of folks don't have. And we really wanted them to take full advantage of this opportunity. Once we preface it and we talk about having to do the speeches, most times they are scared to death to do that first speech. But each, each time we do gather, the hands go up a little quicker to want to get up in front of a class and give the speech. The speeches get a little better. The confidence begins to grow. And when we see that with your program, what we also see is those, all of those skills and leadership skills transferring back to our program. When we do the bully awareness with, with vendor leadership, 
those students, I prep them that they're becoming my eyes and ears for anyone that might be getting bullied in our program. Um, and a lot is what we talk about. That's, that's another big awareness program that the school psychologists and myself do school-wide is a cyberbullying, a four-week cyberbullying program and a four-week bully, bully awareness program. And the students, when they learn about bullying in the Bender Leadership Program, then we kind of piggyback and say, okay, you're my eyes and ears because we, what we just learned is most times people get bullied in places where there are no adults. And those particular students take it very seriously. They become the leaders of our program. And each year then other students say, well, I want to be in Bender Leadership Academy next year. And it gives them something to kind of look forward to the following year. Um, some of the students have become so good at coming out of their shell and delivering speeches with you that last year at our awards ceremony uh, for, for our graduates of our program, our student, uh, our Bender Leadership Academy, two of our Bender Leadership Academy students, one opened our whole award ceremony and another student closed the whole ceremony. So when wow. you have your students from the Bender Leadership Academy transferring all those leadership skills and bringing them back into our building, and at our big award ceremony, they're up on a, in a podium speaking in front of three to 500 people. Our students see that and say, hey, I want to be like that, and I, I want to be in that program next year, and I want to learn about Miss Bender because they talk about you. They come back here and they talk about Mrs. Bender. And other students say, well, who's Mrs. Bender? And then they tell them. And then they go in the computer lab and they pull it up. Bender Consultants Company. And then they, t- they talk about it. And, well, I want to do that next year too. And it, it, it kind of creates that snowball effect that we, it, it's one thing for the students to look up to us. It's a whole other thing when they look up to their peers and they look up to folks around their own age, and they, they see where they can go next, what the next step to their big goal is. And, and that could be the Bender Leadership Academy for us is, you, you've been chosen for this program because we see leadership skills in you, and now we want to help you develop them, and the person that does that best is Mrs. Bender in the Bender Leadership Academy. Well, I just want to thank you, but it is definitely a partnership. And I want to tell you something. I love these kids, and I know them from, you know, years before when they first started. And here's what happened to me yesterday. I'm having lunch at a restaurant in Pittsburgh, my hometown, that I haven't even been to before. And I'm going to meet these two business people that wanted to meet with me. And the luncheon is almost ended. And I hear this, hello, Miss Bender. And I turn Mm -hmm. around and, oh, my goodness, it's one of the Bender leadership graduates from like six years ago from Fox Chapel High School, Samantha. Wow. And so, yes, and Samantha made a point of coming up to me and she wanted me to know that she was working at this uh, school, this college, and she was so thrilled 
And what's more amazing is she's working from out of Pittsburgh. She moved. And, you know, you would never, when you first met her, have thought all of this was going to happen. But, you know, I told her I'm so proud of her. But, you know, when that happens to me, when I meet someone that says, oh, Miss Bender, you know, from years ago, it just really means so much to me. And those kids are so awesome that come to these uh, classes. I wanted to ask you something, though. Um, all You've been talking about different examples with employment. Could you give our listeners an example to you of a great success story that led to employment? Sure. Um, well, I have a few that, that come to mind. Uh, a lot of our areas, because they go out and they volunteer and do, we call them volunteer internships in different places of employment, uh, a lot of those internships that were volunteer then turn into paid internships, and then if they do well in the paid internship, turn into employment. Uh, One of my favorite success stories is a few years ago, a young student in one of our areas, he loved TradeWorks, and TradeWorks is a commercial cleaning So they kind of do custodial types of jobs. They go out in the community and they clean the Special Olympics offices. They go to main event, which is a big place here in Delaware, and they clean the lanes and do the floors. Well, this particular student is still currently hired by our school district as a custodial staff. And he he got hired prior to his, his, his last year at Networks, so he was going to his job he, got, he had a part-time job because he enjoyed cleaning and the custodial type of work. We had a part-time job lined up at the hair salon, and he kind of would sweep up the hair, and he kept that job and then got hired full-time with the school district. So he was working two jobs, his part-time job and this full-time job. And my funny story with him is he would still come if he didn't have to work. If he was on the night shift, he would still come to networks during the day. And he, he came up to me, he said, I said... First, how's your job going? And he says, it's going really well, Misty. He's like, by the way, you do know that um, I work in the same district as you now, right? And we had a good <laughs> chuckle on it. He's like, I'm your peer now. You do understand that. And I'm like, you're my peer when you're at work. <laughs> but here at Networks, we still have a little bit different boundary. Uh, but it was, it was really quite funny. And he, he still comes back and talks with some of our students. We have him come to our career fair at times. So they see other students that were here, their success. Another story that comes to mind is a young woman that was, um, did not like to talk. And um, she did not talk but she was really good on the computer, and she knew everything about the computer. And um, she was considered what we call a selective mute. And um, she preferred to work alone. And what we found was in one of our enterprise areas called Copyworks, which kind of is more about working in a business type of environment, those students would go to the city of Newark and the municipal building and they found that she enjoyed going and she started entering all the parking tickets into the computer. Well, we started, she would go with the volunteer and then they said they wanted to try her out as part-time employment. So during her school day, she would go there and work part part day, which then turned into full-time employment. And she's been working for the city of Newark 
and now she's monitoring two of their computers, and she's probably about five years on the job working full-time now. And we've, we've, we've found what her strengths were, and she's in a, in a working environment that caters to her strengths, but also caters to what some of her challenges may have been. She enters parking tickets. Another young woman um, really, really loved Fabric Works area, which is an embroidery area here, and it was really difficult trying to find employment for working an embroidery machine. That woman, young woman um, was, had an autism spectrum disorder and really liked routines a lot, and she was very good at filing. Well, she ended up and is still employed by Christiana Care over at the hospital, Christiana Hospital, and that's what she does. She files. She does all paperwork. She does filing. But what's really cool story about her is Megan still uses her hobby, and it took a long time to help her understand that her fabric works and her embroidery might just be a hobby, that she could have fun with and make things with and then go and do craft shows with. And then the difference between the employment where her other strength was her filing. And so she could earn a paycheck um, and she's doing fairly well. She's up to $20 an hour working full time. But what I love about Megan is she has her full time job at the hospital, but she also figured out a way to turn in her embroidery passion and hobby into a small business on the side because she still runs her embroidery machine and she makes pillows and pillowcases and, and quilts and she sets up at different craft shows and, and uh, art shows throughout our whole state of Delaware. And uh, we sponsor one here with our students and she still sets up for us and sells. So we've, we've had a lot of really, really kind of cool success stories. Um, and we've been fortunate to have some really good uh, community partnerships. We have a student that's hired full-time right now at Embassy Suites. She started in a paid internship through the summer, which turned into full-time employment. Uh, We have students that are working at Walgreens, Wawa, Little Sisters of the Poor, which is uh, one of our community sites that we volunteer at. Uh, One of our students, he loves working with hair and he, he goes there and volunteers, and they have offered him a position uh, to work in the hair salon, working with elderly folks and sweeping up. Another student's hired there full-time now as she's the lead chef there, but she's worked her way from work being employed full-time and just working, uh, delivering the meals is how she started, and then she became she helped prep the meals, and now she's the... The, the number one chef there at Little Sisters of the Poor. So we've had, we've had some really neat success stories, um, and I think some pretty more to come. There's a, there's a lot, of, lot of neat kids and really cool kids coming through the pipeline, too, that are seeing their peers that are getting full-time employment and wanting to be like them. Right, and then you have the other path. You have the students that attend Bender Leadership Academy that go on to college. So you really have two different types of jobs people get. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We do have some students that, we've had some students that are interested in working in childcare. We don't offer a childcare 
program here at Networks. So what we have done is we've worked with DVR, Division of Vocational Rehab in Delaware, and we have got, worked with them and had them help get our students set up to take the child care classes over at Dell Tech Community College. So those particular students, and we had two, two students that went through, we set this up for, they would, every Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they came to Networks and had their regular classes. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they went to the college and took the college courses for child, elementary child care. And um, they still were able to get our supports by attending those college classes. We also have students that are interested in working in a warehouse. So, again, we work with DVR, and we have it set up so that then they do warehouse training or forklift training. Uh, and then a part of once they're completed with the forklift training, which is off-site, they have to, instead of coming to us, they go to their six-month training program that's off-site. And once they're finished, they can come back with us, and then we continue to help employment or that particular program helps get them employment. Uh, a lot of where our follow-up is, if they're in a forklift training, a lot of our young folks don't have licenses. So we start setting that up for them, too, so that once they're completed, we can roll them into a program, a driver's ed program. This summer, we, we had to set it up during the summer months this year, but we had five, five of our students that in their IEP meeting said, I really need to get a license if I'm going to have a job. And that, that's when they can learn to advocate for themselves and they speak up at their IEP meetings, then we, we put those, we, we start putting wheels turning and putting things in place so that they can help, help achieve those, those goals to help keep, in the, keep them going forward to, to where they want to be when they're finished with us. Right. You know, I've noticed a lot of your, why I love what you do, I believe a lot of these students would fall through the cracks. I really do. And, and because I, a lot of them are very poor, you know, or in poverty. And I often think about, okay, you know, there are uh, rich high school students out there that have an intellectual disability or have a, uh, you know, learning disability or autism or whatever the disability is with an IEP, but they have incredible resources and support, whereas you don't see those students at networks. And I believe that's because networks is kids that have grown up without all of that resources and support. Do you think that's true? Yes, that's that's definitely very true. I mean, we're we are we're part of a public school system and our students have lots of different types of challenges. Uh, we do a lot of my role as a school counselor is to we work with a lot I work with a lot of the social and emotional parts of the student to, to help develop the whole student. Um the same with our school psych. Uh, you know, she does a lot of the academic testing, does a lot of the assessing on, on skills that would be transferable for that particular student in a work environment. Um, but, yeah, we really do our best to be, to be whole kid friendly and uh, really develop the whole child so that uh, they can be prepared and successful once they leave our program. Oh, and that's why I love it. 
that's why I, I that you know you're helping those that well people with disabilities have the highest unemployment anyway but I feel at networks you're even taking it a step further so um, you know that's why I think you and and all of all of this is so awesome so I know we're soon going to be closing the show but I wanted to ask you uh, Diana you know you have incredible courage and strength and you're smart and you're kind and you have compassion therefore you had to have a role model somewhere along the way or still today uh, who, who would you say has been your role model Wow, that's a tough one, because I think throughout my I have about three that come to mind, um, but for different reasons. Um, as an athlete, a role model of mine was always Florence Griffith Joyner, uh, mm-hmm. Flojo, and not necessarily for the accomplishments that she had on the track, but f- because of a, a conference, a news conference that I had watched her in, and uh, I'll never forget, and I've tried to base my life on the words that she shared that day. And it was uh, an interview after she had that, the huge, she won, I think, like four or five gold medals in the 84 Olympics, and uh, she was being interviewed, and this little girl raised her hand to ask her a question. The little girl said, it wasn't really a question. She said, uh, Flojo, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And her response was a, a, a little nod and a smile, but her words were powerful to me. And she said, um, I'm really excited that you want to be like me when you grow up, but I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. And that's kind of always been a motto I have tried to carry on when I have a platform to work with students. Uh, and if they say, you know, they're very kind words, I want to be like you, Misty, I want you, I'm challenging you to be better. To figure out how you can go to the next step so that when you're, you get to be the person that's the leader, I want you to challenge that next person to be better. Um, you know what? You know what? Like, I like talking to you so much. I didn't realize how far along we are on the show. And guess what? We only have a minute left. So <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And if anyone has listened to this show, remember, you can get it on demand uh, easily. And we end every show with a quote. And today that quote is, teach the children so it will not be necessary to teach the adults. Oh, how true that is. And it was said by President Abraham Lincoln. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.